0: In this journey of life, we all could use a sage, a mentor, a good friend who can come alongside us, but who has been a few steps ahead of us and who understands not only what we're going through, but the way forward. I'm Alan Arnold, and you're listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. For me, for many years, that person was Craig McConnell. Now, a lot of you know Craig. He was part of the Ransomed Heart team almost from the beginning, and Craig passed away a few years ago, but he was a man of great heart and great joy, and we had hundreds of conversations, and I would always walk away feeling better and lighter after having spent time with him. One of my favorite conversations that we ever had was on parenting and how to do that from a level of deep heart. That's the podcast I want to share with you today. It was recorded in 2015, and it's called Parenting Without Fear. And in this podcast, Craig and I have a conversation about how our relationships with our children, whether they're adult children or whether they're young children or anywhere in between, can flourish when we start pursuing the child's heart over an outcome. I think this is a conversation that you will savor. There'll be moments that you're gonna laugh out loud at Craig's stories, and there's moments that'll bring a tear to your eye. Let him mentor you on the art of parenting without fear. Here's Craig and me in the conversation. Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is Alan Arnold and Craig McConnell. I was talking to a friend just last week, and he was asking me, well, how are things going with your kids? And My answer was, it's going really well. (laughs) However, there's some areas where there's things I see that would be so beneficial for them if they would just step into, but It's not necessarily their desire right now. They're just not aware of what could be. And so it's not anything they're pursuing. And I can talk to them, but in their age, 10 through 15, it just seems like a foreign language to them. So as I was driving away from that conversation, God just said to me, that's right, but is their dad? They don't have to have the desire yet. You, as the head of the house, begin praying for them for things that they don't even know they should desire yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, like with your daughters, did you find that true, both as they were growing up in your household and now that they're out of your household, is that something that you still do? Yeah, Good question, Alan.
1: Let me first start with the confession that, uh, of course, they don't know how to pray or what to pray for. I still don't. (laughs) I mean, I have some categories, but if nothing else, maturity and time informs our worldview informs our behavior and how we act and what we count as important and what we desire and yearn and pursue in kids' lives. And this changes as they get older, but there's this always changing role we have as parents of taking great responsibility for their choices when they're very, very young to giving them both hopefully some training an orientation, and then freedom to make choices themselves, and that's a that's a constantly changing kind of environment that the parent fills. And and of course, this is the first time you've been a parent. You know how you're supposed to do this well and right is often a pressure that we feel that just isn't isn't helpful. So. Yes, pray for your children whether they understand it or not. I mean, we begin to pray for our daughters' husbands, for their dating life, for their friendships, for all kinds of things, uh school choices that we would be raising them in the way that they should go well before they would those things were even on their radar. We just know a whole lot's going to be coming at them. And then at the ages you're talking about, around 15, that whole season there is so much is coming at our kids. And that's where the stakes seem higher and our counsel and guidance seems very important. Thus, we often feel pressure out of fear for what might happen to get way more involved in kind of guarding and protecting our children out of fear than we should. Nothing good comes from parenting out of fear. Nothing good Mm. comes from parenting out of fear. And the only way you're going to get to a posture where you're not parenting out of fear is the result of your own personal growth and maturity as an adult. When my kids were 18, 19, 20, and this continues to this day, I was finally the parent I wish I had been when they were two and three. Mm. But the process of me maturing in wisdom and character and skill as a parent was a process that involved the kids and making mistakes and worrying about things I shouldn't worry about and being fretful at times where I should be trusting God – being passive when I should have been active and active when I should have been passive. Learning all those things have made me into a great dad and a great grandfather.
0: So, Craig, when you just said nothing good ever comes from a posture or place of fear, you know, I think everyone would agree philosophically with that. But if I really stepped into that and believed in that, then I would have no fear as a parent. How do you do that or how did you do that whenever you got to this age where you felt like, I understand now, nothing good comes from that? How did that change your parenting?
1: Yeah, great. Now, when I say a parent may feel fear and there may be lots of things to fear, but I'm talking about parenting that is motivated over time by fear. Okay versus parenting that's motivated by desire for my child's heart to grow and develop, for our relationship to be strengthened and maintained. There are a lot of choices I recall having to make in terms of our children's behavior and actions and choices. And I would get pretty frothed up about some of the choices and decisions and directions that they would be either headed towards or choosing. I remember at one point God just very clearly in my fear, my anxiety, my rage at them because they're not cooperating with what I think is a godly, good, responsible, mature way to develop and for them to turn out and for me to shine as a dad, I remember God coming and saying, Craig, what's more important to you, your children being compliant or your children being compassionate, Hmm. free, alive? Hmm. What's more important, Craig, that you have compliant children or that you have children that love you and are close to you and that you have a lifelong influence with. And parents who are committed to having compliant, moral, doctrinally pure kids, which there's nothing wrong with those yearnings and desires, oftentimes just create an environment that your child acts out according to your desires as a parent at home. And then shows that other developing side. And during adolescence, so much is going on. Hormones, challenges to authority, friendships and what they mean. There's just so much under the surface going on that that what our kids most need is strong, courageous, loving parents. Not parents that are panicked. Yes. Not parents whose goal is compliance
0: out of their own needs. Yeah, it's encouraging to know there's a way to parent that you don't ride the roller coaster of your children's emotions or questions or defiance, but that you're actually the calm in the center of that storm. And I think that's what, as parents, that's what we all want. But man, that's hard sometimes. Oh,
1: oh. I mean, I can remember there being certain young men who were hanging around, either dating or wanting to date one of our daughters. And inside, I'm going, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize the Antichrist was disguised <laughs> with zits and is a 16-year-old and just not wanting my daughter to even be around this guy. And somewhere in there, realizing, okay, 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 I'm going to trust that a whole lot of my intuitions and feelings are right. The fear kind of accentuates there's something going on here. But I want to relate to my daughter in this time as someone who is so for her and so for her deep, God-given yearnings that often find foolish expression in their youth. And I want to love and support and speak strongly, courageously into her life. And I need time with God to do that, to get oriented. And then to share those concerns with her as a father whose validation as a father doesn't need her to make the decision right. I want her to. Now, she was at an age where more and more of her decisions were hers to make. an earlier age, we had more control over some of those decisions. But, honey, here's my concerns. Here's what I think. And there's been an awful lot over the years that backed up this up, stories and so on and so forth. So,
0: Craig, will you share the story that you told me a while back about – one of your daughters, just in the thought process of, she's old enough now to make her own decisions, and you wanted purity for her. But then, will you share that story about what God revealed to you?
1: One of one of the high points, should I say, of parenting a Piranini teenager in Southern California was I remember when my daughter got voted best body. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. Not, Every dad doesn't want to hear. cutest that? smile. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> not most likely to succeed. <laughs> most spiritual. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, and, yeah. you know, that stirs up like, oh, my gosh. I want moral and sexual choices and decisions and development to just be made by her, and uh, in Southern California, do you realize the validation of body image it's, and superficiality? And uh, I mean, it's horrible. It's a yeah. It, on one hand, it's a validation that every girl would want, and I'll never forget graduation night. Kids were coming in, and the first group of kids all had ribbons and things around their neck and I wasn't sure what they were and then a group that Megan was in came in and they didn't have the ribbons and I said hey how come Megan's not wearing the ribbon and Lori says oh honey those were for scholastic honors (laughs) and uh, I said uh, well she got best body she'd go farther than most of those people (laughs) So um, I was uptight. I remember um, just pacing the kitchen floor, entryway floor, writing in my journal as one of my daughters was consistently way past curfew. And I was writing that her lack of respect and obedience to me was a violation of creation that she would certainly (laughs) feel the weight of. (laughs) later in life and that she would regret the horrific pain she caused me as a worrying father. (laughs) And uh, God caught me. God caught me. He just snagged me. Said to me, Craig, what's more important, your child's morality and choices or your relationship with her over time? Because I was on the verge of losing my daughter over her moral choices or what she might choose. And God just captured me with the thought that, you know what? As her father, I want a lifelong influence, a lifelong relationship. I know this stage feels critical. But actually, there's going to be many, many more critical moments in her life. And I want to be there for all of them. What kind of dad can offer counsel, strength, courage, resolve, direction, clarity over a lifetime? That's what the kind of dad I wanted to be. And it just diffused the Okay, that's more the goal. It's not her morality per se just by itself. It's her heart and our relationship over time. I'm going for the long game, not the short game. And that's been one of the big
0: lessons I learned as a dad. That is so good. Thank you for sharing that, Craig. That gives me, I mean, as you're talking, a sense of peace Rather than fear as I think about what is my role as a father? What is the long game mm-hmm. versus the short game?
1: And, you know, can I say there, Ellen, without posing, my daughters now are in their early 30s and we have such a good relationship. I am so proud and so happy and I am so enjoying my girls, and the relationship that we have. And it's everything I could ever hope or want it to be.
0: Well, and Craig, when you say that, boy, that's comforting to know because it does put things in perspective. And also, when I tell you things as a dad of younger children and I watch your expression, even that's comforting because you have this twinkle in your eye and this look like, yeah, it's going to be fine. What you're describing is real, but it's not something that's going to change the course of that child's destiny over the course of 15 years. I think even if we can invite people into find parents who have older kids and ask them about some of the things that you're so stressed about right now or that seem so huge and overwhelming because you're so close to it now, it'll help if somebody says, Yeah, my son is 30. Let me tell you about that then and this now. Yeah. And I always said, now believe
1: that I don't think you should evaluate yourself as a parent until your children are at least 30, maybe 40. Then it might be
0: encouraging to evaluate yourself, but give yourself grace. So let me close with a story that's really current. As I was thinking about my own children and, boy, there's these things I want to see in their lives that that they aren't mature enough, old enough yet, aware enough of yet to pray for on their own, God, I just want to take this to you. And so I was in a time of worship last Sunday, praying over my children, and God gave me this incredible vision, this image as my eyes were closed, and it was me as their dad and All of my children were standing right there, and my wife was right there. I would reach up, and on, like, the forehead and the heart of each child, just put my palm there, and I could see blood, like the blood of Christ, and it would be on their forehead and on their heart, and I would look into each of my children's eyes, and I could see their expression, and it was one of peace and one of welcoming me as their dad to do this over one of my children who had heard some things from another one of his brothers or sisters that was hurtful I actually touched his ears and just included a you know a prayer of God just purify what he hears how he hears things the other child it was what they see and it was they'd close their eyes and I'd put my palm over their eyes and blood would be right there and I did that with each child just took the luxury of time Mm -hmm. and then did that with my wife. Then in this vision image, from there, we all held hands and just kind of jumped or leapt into this ocean and went down into the water. The blood washed off, and then we all broke the surface of the water and were laughing, and there was joy, and as if God said, keep coming to this place with me. Keep coming As their father, take them into the place that they don't even know how to go yet. Cover them in my love. Cover them in my blood. And you keep doing that whatever age they are because that's what changes their hearts. And as a father, that's a role I've been invited into. I think we've all been invited into. Just very Mm life-giving to see that. I don't know if that was two minutes or 10 minutes, my head was bowed. But when he gave me that image, it felt like a place he was inviting me into regularly to cover them in the blood of Christ and to pray into them the desires that God has for their hearts. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty cool because that, that's not a place of fear either. That's yeah. a place of total security and trust and authority mm-hmm. in the kingdom that yeah. we have.
1: There's so much more we could say here about, you know, warfare on your children's behalf and look more specifically at all the developmental things they're facing and going through. But a key one is don't parent out of fear and just know that God is using our children to raise up and make us into men and women, moms and dads that will forever and always have an influence on our kids
0: and just bring great glory to God through their lives. That's awesome. You've been listening to the Ransom Tarp podcast with Craig McConnell and Alan Arnold, and we will see you next week.